0: doing good to all. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else for each one should carry their own load. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, LLC, uh, or good afternoon to you, uh, almost. Um, it's good to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, throughout this series, I hope uh, you're getting encouraged by how we're not meant to walk alone in our faith, that as a church, as a community, as we learn to be an authentic community, that we're meant to be together. And this morning, I, I treasure that, uh, the community that we have as we gather from different places around the city, around the lower mainland, that we can worship God together together, in this way. And this is the reminder for us that if we're meant to be an authentic Christian community, uh, we're called to love one another, right? We're called to be united with one another, to build up this unity. We're called to, uh, to serve one another in the way that Jesus has washed our feet, uh, in the way that he has served people. Uh, we too are, we ought to have the same heart, uh, but also uh, we're called to encourage each other, uh, which is the mini section that we've been going through the last couple of weeks. And and I just want to encourage us again that the Christian life uh, isn't a place for lone rangers, Uh, that's not where God calls us to be, Uh, but the Christian life is a shared life, that when we're uh, coming to the church, as we come into community, that we're not called to walk alone, even though we might feel alone, Uh, that we're called into community, we're called to be with people, that the Christian life is a shared life. And as we share this life together, we learn what it means to be authentic with one another. And last week, Pastor Howard, uh, he preached an amazing message. And the big idea was make encouragement our priority because it's rooted in our identity. And today, as we continue on in the theme of encouragement, the the title for this morning is this, Burden Bearers, uh, from Galatians 6, 1 to 5, that we're called to be burden bearers, to bear each other's burdens, to carry each other's burdens. Uh, before we open up the word of God some more, uh, let's just pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for your good word. We thank you for your grace and your love. Uh, God, this morning as we come before your word, may you speak to us. Uh, your word is alive and active. Uh, so Lord, may, may your word just pierce through our hearts. Uh, may it move through all um, the weeks that we've had, no matter how good or how messy it is, you know. So give us eyes to see, uh, ears to hear, and hearts to comprehend you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. April fifteenth, uh, two thousand fourteen is a while ago now, but some of you might remember uh, this moment. Three hundred and twenty-five high school students were excited uh, to go on a school trip, and they hopped on the Sewol Ferry as they started their class trip from Incheon, Korea, uh, to Jeju Island. Uh, and no one would have expected a disaster some twelve hours later, because this ferry makes this trip twice a week. Uh, and but twelve hours later, the whole ship would have capsized. It was stated that the sewalt sank uh, because of greed, as The New York Times uh, has written. Uh, Shippers had loaded twice the amount of weight that it was supposed to carry. Uh, The crew lied about the weight, and they didn't even secure the cargo properly as it was sailing off. And disaster struck uh, when it sailed into a heavy current, and they tried to steer the ship to counter. But in that sharp turn, it shifted all the cargo And it, and then the ship started to, to capsize, to flip over. And as the ship was capsizing, uh, as though staying in this state for two and a half hours, actually the, the announcement was made overhead that everyone stay put, put on your life jacket and await further instructions. And as I mentioned, the ship was stuck in this location, this, the state for two and a half hours. And it took about 40 minutes for the Korean coast guard to arrive. Uh, There were actually ships that were closer from the U S and Japanese Navy, but they declined help. And it was during these 40 minutes uh, that no instruction was given. And when the coast guard arrived, the captain was actually the first one off of the ship, the captain and the 11 crew members all abandoned ship and left the ship exactly as it was with 291 people still trapped inside and What's even worse is that later on in the day, the president came along with other rescue ships to see the situation and and she was told that they were doing something to rescue the ship, to raise it back up. But in fact, as the the divers were interviewed and the other rescue workers were interviewed later, they weren't actually doing anything, but it was just for the sake of telling the president that they're doing something uh, that they told her that. And so here on this ship, there were 476 people on board. And after the fact, as this ship fully capsized and sank later, uh, 172, 172 people survived. Uh, and they were rescued by fishing boats and they were rescued by commercial boats that were in, in the area. But 304 people were killed. 304 people were killed. And 245 of them were high school students. And it's chilling as you as you watch your documentary. As you hear of the story, the last moments, the last phone calls, the text messages that were sent out, and they're saying, hey, we're waiting for a message. We're just waiting. We have our life jackets on. We, we don't know what's going on. Uh, we're just waiting here, awaiting. Little did they know every, all the personnel actually abandoned the ship already, and they left, and they're, they're left on, on their own. Now, I'm sharing this story because we can learn quite a few things uh, from, from, this, uh, from this incident, this tragedy. We can learn quite a few principles uh, and as much has been written, a movie actually has been um, released in 2019. I believe it's called a uh, birthday is in Korean. It's, in, uh, it's a Korean movie. Uh, maybe we can learn about the impacts of leadership and what it looks like later uh, the captain and the 11 crew actually were charged with murder because it was their responsibility to, to take care of the, the people on board. Or maybe it's about following social norms how you respect authority. So you listen and you wait until the next instructions. But I think there's a lesson here as well in terms of carrying heavy load, that the ship was meant to carry a certain load. It was meant to operate out in open waters with a certain load, but it was twice the amount. And because of that, that's what led to the ship uh, tipping over, that when we carry heavy load, it could be dangerous, or in this case, even deadly. And I want to pivot to us this morning, that we all have burdens, that we all carry heavy loads in our lives, that we all are carrying something that's happening with us, and that we're not meant to conceal it or to pretend it's not there, uh, but we're actually meant to share it, uh, to allow the, our community and the people around us to carry this heavy load that we, we have. In fact, there are burdens that some of us have been carrying, and we're sailing into rough waters at any moment, our faith could be shipwrecked. That we've been holding on to it for a very long time, but God is saying, I've given you this community and these people around you so that you don't need to walk alone. In the passage today in Galatians, Galatians is set in a very specific context that there's false teachers going into, into the church, and they were teaching uh, people that they needed to fully obey the Old Testament law. Uh, that they were still restricted and had to follow the Old Testament law. And instead of free, uh, living in the freedom of Christ, they were feeling burdened by Christ. They were being, feeling burdened by the Old Testament law. But Paul argues that Christ has set us free, that Christ has removed our burdens and our transgressions, that we can walk freely with, uh, in the life that God has given us. In the text today, it fits into the greater context of Galatians 5 onwards, uh, the last section of this letter, And we read in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Or we read in Galatians 5.13-14, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So as we come into the the text of Galatians 6 uh, 1 to 5, I want to urge and encourage us that we're called to carry one another's burdens and that it's dangerous to be overloaded. It's dangerous to carry the burdens on our on our own. And if someone is carrying a burden uh, as a church we have a responsibility. Uh, we have a responsibility and a calling to help one another. We're to come alongside and we're to do something about it and We actually need to learn that Uh, we need to push past that our own selfish pride or maybe our our own um, views of the church that we're called to be together and to serve one another in this way. And the big idea for us this morning is this, that burden bearers bear the image of Christ. Burden bearers bear the image of Christ, that as we bear one another's burdens, we're reflecting the image of Christ, that we're living out the image of Christ. We're living out what it means to be Christ-like. Also, another way to look at it is that as a church, a church that bears each other's burdens is a church that bears the image of Christ as well. That we're living accordance, in accordance to who God has called us to be and what he's meant his church to be. All right, let's jump right into it. I'm really focusing on two verses this morning, but it's going to be good. Uh, br- brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself. Are you also maybe tempted? As I read this verse here, maybe you're thinking the same thing like, who is Paul talking to here? Like, what is the context of this passage right here? Who is Paul speaking to? Is Paul speaking to the person that's caught in a sin, as he mentions right there? Or is he speaking to the person that is that is walking beside the person that is caught up in a sin? And I think as the, as the passage, as the chapter six is, as you read through chapter six, you'll see. That Paul's actually talking to the latter. He's talking to the person that's walking beside someone that's caught in a sin. He's not addressing the person that's actually caught up in a sin. And and he's really addressing that as imperfect people walking alongside other imperfect people. We're called to restore them. We're called to be part of the restoration work of someone who's caught in a sin. And this idea of being caught in a sin, it's not uh, deliberately sinning, but it's being overwhelmed. It's overwhelmed by the things of life, overwhelmed by sin or overtaken by sin. So it's not an excuse, but there are times in our lives and we've all been there. I've been there where you're overtaken by sin and it's the weakness of the flesh and that we fall. And what does Paul command, us, uh, Paul command us to do here? That if we're living by the spirit, uh, Galatians 5, to 23, the fruits of the spirit, if you're living by that, then we ought to restore that person gently. And you might be wondering, well, why does Paul start off this section uh, in this way? Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But we're called here to, to walk alongside each other and to restore people. And we're called to be part of the restoration work of God. This word for restore means uh, it's also used to in, in context of fixing a net or mending broken bones. Uh, when you fix a net or you mend broken bones, you don't do it haphazardly. You don't randomly do it, right? You do it gently and with care, with deliberateness and intentionality. uh, And you do it with purpose. And that's the way that we are to restore people around us. We're called into this kind of restoration work, this healing work of God. Uh, Justin and I have been watching this um, renovation show. Jess really enjoys it. So I enjoy it as well in what we watch. And I, I think she posted on Instagram story yesterday. It's called Fixer to Fabulous. And it's taking these homes in Arkansas, USA uh, homes that cost uh, like five bedroom houses that cost $150,000 <laughs> and they have a renovation budget of twice the amount of that. And they do these amazing things. The, the, the point is that taking these homes that are you know, pretty broken down and they make it fabulous. They make it amazing. And what's amazing about it is that during the renovation process, the renovation work never makes something worse. Right. Like when you're renovating something, you don't like come out of it thinking, well, that was, you know, worse you know, than it, it was than when we came, came into it. And as we start about, as we think about carrying each other's burdens and authentic community, as we think about what it means to be part of God's restoration work, like when we're called into a Christian community, our relationships with one another shouldn't be making each other worse. Like we should be part of the restoration work. We should be pushing each other in a good way. And we should be growing one another. We should be coming alongside each other uh, in a way. We come in, in a certain state, uh, we should be coming out of it. If there is such a way of coming out of it, that in a better way that we should have grown in Christ, we should have grown in our love, in our patience, in the fruits of our, of the spirit. So wh- why does a person who bears other people's burdens bear the image of Christ? I think part of it here for us is to understand that that's what Jesus did, right? Like, like Jesus restored people. Our, our Jesus, he restores, he makes people whole. He walks alongside those who are down and he picks them up. In fact, Jesus is the perfect renovator of our heart, soul, and mind. That Jesus is the perfect example of that. And as we walk alongside each, each other, as we carry each other's burdens, uh, as we think about that, we're joining in in God's renovation work. that Jesus is the perfect renovator. and we follow in this in His ways and as we help uh, each other walk a better life, uh, walk in a better way, grow in a mo- more healthy, healthy way. So we're to in- imitate Him and we're to bear each other's burdens. And burden bearing is a way of reflecting Jesus. A burden bearing is a way of reflecting Jesus It's a way of reflecting our understanding of who this God is. Okay. That's Galatians 6, 1. 6 2, How, how do we make, uh, make sure though that we live authentically and move in a right direction as a community? Like, how do we know we're helping people renovate, like renovate their hearts and renovate their soul and mind? Like how, how do we know we're moving in the right direction? And Paul encourages us with Galatians six, two, how do we do this? How do we be part of this renovation work? Verse two, kind of straightforward, carry each other's burdens. Uh, Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. I'm going to focus on this first part here and then move on to the next part. Uh, Carry each other's burdens. How do we understand this? What does this mean? Uh, We're to help restore someone by carrying uh, their burdens. First off, what is a burden? Like, How do we identify what a burden is? a burden is another translation for this word is to carry a heavy weight so a burden is like a heavy weight that someone is experiencing and these burdens weigh us down and these heavy weights of us could be a financial burden it could be a loss it could be illness it could be grief it could be guilt uh, marriage and relationship tensions anxiety uh, parents worrying about a wayward child like bird like there are many burdens and that list definitely is not exhaustive. And all of us feel this weight. And most of these burdens is not in your control. It's not like, well, oh, I did something to have this burden, like life happens and burdens come because of it. And we've all been there before. And this kind of burden is so heavy on us that as you carrying this burden, we hunch over more and more and more until so much so that we're looking at the floor. Uh, that we can't even lift up anymore because the burdens are so heavy. So what does it look like to physically, um, what's a good picture of carrying someone else's burden? And I read this uh, illustration. I found that found it to be helpful. I imagine someone is carrying a sack of grain. I know we don't really do that. Maybe you're carrying a sack of rice out of TNT or your favorite local supermarket, I don't know. And it's a heavy bag uh, and you're carrying it out. Um, the image of helping someone to carry someone's burden is that this person is carrying the sack of grain on their own and it's heavy. They're struggling. Uh, they're bent over and, and and they're laboring on. And the image is that as we come alongside, you're helping them to carry that sack of grain, Uh, whether it's carrying the same bag, like, you know, you're on both sides or you split the work, like, you know, you split the bag of grain and you, you want, you take one half and the other person takes the other half. Like that's the image that we get here when you're carrying someone else's burden, that's what we're doing. We're splitting the grain, the weight of it uh, as as two or three or four people, you're carrying the weight and you're moving forward. And what is the point here is that we don't keep the grain for ourselves, right? You're actually helping the person go forward to where they need to be. Uh, This is still their life. This is still uh, the direction that they're going in but you're helping them along the way, whether it's for five minutes, 10 minutes or for a longer duration of time. That's what it looks like to carry the burden, that the point is to help them to get to where they need to get to. And that's how we carry their burdens. But maybe even a little bit more practically, how do we carry each other's burdens? Is that first, I want to encourage us that we need to share our burdens. Like as a church, we need to share your burdens. Yes, as people of God, we need to ask, hey, how can I pray for you You and what's going on in your life? But at the same time, often we can hide behind that but I believe God calls us in order for others to carry our burden, we need to share our burdens as well. We need to get past our pride and our fears and our anxieties and allow the people of God to be the people of God, uh, to allow them to carry the burdens with us. And you would have uh, noticed at the end of uh, in verse five, uh, which Anthony read for us uh, in the end of verse five, doesn't it say, Hey, each one of us should carry our own load, right? Isn't that sound contradictory to what Paul is saying here? What's fascinating is that both of them can be translated as burden, but the word for that Paul uses deliberately two different words for burden there. The first word for burden is heavy weight, And the second one is actually the understanding of a soldier's pack. So like soldiers meant to carry their own uh, inventory. That's something that you can carry. It's your own responsibility that you're to carry. So Paul is saying at the end, there are responsibilities that you ought to carry. Like, like you gotta love your spouse. Like that's your responsibility. Uh, That's that that's the one of the uh, weights that you have. You got to take care of your kids. You got to own your own personal holiness, right? Like no one else can live your holiness for you. Like those are your own responsibilities, right? So, so here, this heavy burden is not talking about that. It's talking about things that you can't uh, carry on your own, that you really do need the help of others, but others can't help us unless we, we share, right? Unless we share it and be like, Hey, I I need you to, uh, I need to share this with you. I need you to carry this burden with me. I need you to pray for me. I need you to check in on me. And that's why life group is so great because you intentionally put yourself in that situation. It's like, hey, we need to share these burdens. And in order for the church to be the church, in order for someone else to carry your burdens, we need to first share our burdens. And second of all, if someone is sharing the burdens, we have to listen, right? We need to listen intently to what is the need there, not come up with a solution, you know, not, not, not think, well, this is, you know, your own responsibility or this is your own fault or whatever it is. To really listen to the heart and the need and the pain and the struggles of the person. Uh, and, to see, and to really pray in that moment, God, what are you saying here? You know, how, how are you calling me to be part of the work here? How are you calling me to walk alongside this person? So we need to share our burdens. We need to listen to other people's burdens, but we also need to take action and see how we can actually help. Uh, because I've heard this quote once that the greatest untapped potential is actually the church. That you are God's greatest untapped potential. That all of us, we have this potential to create great change. And God is using us to help, to serve people, to love one another, to encourage one another. And often we do points one and two, but we fall short on three. Uh, maybe because we, we feel like we're inadequate or maybe we feel like we don't know what to do but even in the simplest actions can make the biggest impact in someone's life. It can make the greatest impact in their life. And I want to encourage you that it's good to pray, but there's certain things that God has already commanded us to do that. We don't need to pray about. And that might sound shocking. What does it mean? It's like, well, if someone fell over, Hmm. (laughs) Lord, is it in your will for, for me to help pick that person up that just fell over on the side of the road? Like, you know, I'm, I'm making light of it. I'm kind of laughing at it. There's certain things that like God has called us to love people. And in those moments, we don't need to exactly have a huge discernment moment because it's built in. Like, what would Jesus do? Like, Jesus would pick up that person uh, right then and there. Uh, and of course, I can't, we can't use that in every single instance, but there are certain things that we ought to have a reflection um, uh, to reflect the image of christ that if christ and the Spirit is in us that our response ought to reflect the spirit that is that is that is in us and we're called to help we're called to encourage we're called to love we're called to carry each other's burdens so that when we see someone's burdens uh, our our reaction should be how can i help and it, it may it may not be we're not the savior we're not we're not we're not the savior we're not there to solve all the world's problems but god has called us to be part of the solution and to help the people around us. And as you know, January was rough with, for us with COVID and whatnot. Uh, and it would have been tougher without our church, quite honestly. It would have been really tough without our church. And the meals definitely helped. Uh, the gifts and the care packages helped the groceries, helped the cards, the messages, the prayers, they empowered us. But ultimately what made, uh, what made our burden lighter? It's like no, no one really came and removed COVID from my body. Uh, but what made made the burden lighter it was you the people The, the the people made the burden lighter because there's so many carrying the burden at the same time with us in our toughest moment when the burden was so heavy that all we could see was the floor we couldn't lift up in praise it was people that pointed us to jesus that's what carrying the burden means when we take the burden we, we, we help others remove their eyes from the floor and to look up and to see Jesus carrying each other's burdens points people to Jesus. And that's the point that Paul is making here, that when we carry each other's burdens, we're helping people to, re- we're reflecting the image of Christ and we're pointing people to Jesus, not to ourselves to say how great we are, but it's like, Hey, we follow a great savior. We follow a great burden bearer we follow someone that has saved us and loved us and carries our own burdens. So let's do this together. Let's walk and, and walk in this way together. So the question I have for us is, do you know the burdens of the people around you? And we don't, we can't know unless we're in relationship with them. We can't know unless we share our burdens either, but do you know the burdens of the people around you? Do you know the burdens of the people in our church? Uh, what about in your life group? or in your fellowship, or in whatever capacity or ministry that you're serving in right now? Like, do you know the burdens of the people around you? So when we carry each other's burdens, when we bear each other's burdens, uh, we're fulfilling the law of Christ as what the Apostle Paul says later on. Uh, Burden bearers bear the image of Christ because as we carry each other's burdens in this way, at the end of verse two, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what, what does that mean? Okay, this all sounds great, but you know, <laughs> what, what what does this mean? All of this about you know burdens and law of Christ. What is the law of Christ, anyway? Uh, as we start off thinking about that, like often when we think of law, we think of a set of rules, right? Things that we have to do, a set of rules and regulations that we have have to do. Um, but here's the thing: um, as we think of human laws, though, and like how they're invented and how they're made, uh, law in its purest sense, in its purest form, it's meant to lead to human flourishing. So that's something we need to understand. Like law is meant to, for good, uh, if it's in the purest sense of, of the word. But Paul is really addressing two sets of people here. Remember when I mentioned that the Galatian church was battling the false teaching that they had to follow the Old Testament law? Like that's the, that's the context of which this is, this is written, written in. So Paul is saying, you no longer need to follow the Old Testament law, but you need to follow the law of Christ. And there's two groups of people that he was speaking to at that time and it was the uh, antimo- antinomians which is a big word uh and also the, the legalist so antinomians uh it's a compound word anti and nomos. and namas means law so those that are anti-law so those that believe in christ saying hey god has freed us because of jesus i no longer need to follow any law like like as a christian like there's no law that bounds me there's nothing at all i don't need to follow anything uh, but th- that's not exactly true because, well, what did Jesus say? Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've come to abolish them. I'm not, I've, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of the law. So the old Mosaic law, everything that we read in Leviticus and the Old Testament, Testament and the Ten Commandments, they haven't been abolished, but they've been perfectly fulfilled in Jesus that the Mosaic law has been fulfilled with the law of Christ basically, uh, fulfilled with the law of Christ. And I'll get into what that means in a little bit. But on the other side, there's also the legal, legalist side that Paul is addressing. Uh, legalism means taking God's law away from God's loving person. Remember what I said, law in its purest form is meant to lead to human flourishing. God's law is exactly the same. God's law was meant to love us. Was meant to lead us to flourishing. Was meant to lead us to the best life, to the good life. Meant to lead us into, into knowing him him more, and the law was meant to meant to guide us. And it's interesting. I read a few articles uh, arguing for that. Eve, uh, even though there's a pride of uh, there's there's a sin of pride. What what the serpent did in Genesis three was turn Eve into a legalist, uh, which is fascinating. Because, because when, when the, when the serpent asked, did God really say uh, he, uh, what he planted in Eve's mind was to doubt God's goodness, to doubt God's law and commands that what was meant for good, the serpent uh, was planting the seed into Eve saying that God's law is actually bad. God's law wasn't meant for flourishing. God's law doesn't lead us into goodness. So why Paul, uh, why, why this fits into the context? We'll see it in a little bit here, but we'll see that the legalist isn't really interested in carrying burdens as much as adding to them. Uh, that's, the, that's the challenge. That, that's, the, that's the complexities that it adds to the church. I think about Acts 10, 15. Now then why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles, a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? So instead of experiencing the love and the freedom of the law, they're adding onto them and, and bounding people with them. Or Jesus, when he refers to the Pharisees in Matthew 5, 23 to 4, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So we're seeing here the legalist takes God's law and and, and turns it around. Instead of turning it towards God's loving person, it takes us away from God and adds burdens onto, onto people. Now, remember how I mentioned verse 1? like, Why does Paul start off the section talking about uh, the person that sinned and that's wrestling and overtaken by sin? Uh, Why does Paul start off uh, in that way? And why does Paul address the person that's actually walking alongside of them? You see, Paul is trying to show us here that uh, the legalist and antimonium, uh, nomian, uh, the one that's free from law, uh, both of them can't actually walk beside people. Both of them can't carry someone's burden. Both of them doesn't understand the people that they're walking alongside of. They hear that show the legalists can't walk beside someone in a godly way because all a legalist wants to do is to win the argument, whereas a spirit-filled person wants to win the person, right? You want to win the person for Christ instead of winning the argument. And there's a difference between the two that we can't be busy winning the argument and winning people we're called to win people for christ we're called to walk alongside of them we're called to carry their burden and that we're if we're thinking about law and just what's right and wrong uh, in that moment and just winning the argument we can't we're not going to be able to win people uh, in that way okay so I'm, i've been going on and on on and on about this about the law uh, what does this really all come down to about legalism or antinomianism uh, see it's not about following a bunch of rules nor is it about abusing our freedom in Christ that we can do whatever we want. It's about how, if we're to bear the image of Christ, we can't distort the image of Christ. We can't twist his law around. We can't twist his way around because the law of Christ is simply this found in Matthew 22, 30, 37 to 40. Jesus replied, love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself in verse 40. What? all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments that if we're to live the law of Christ, that as we carry each other's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ. As we carry each other's burdens, we're loving God with all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. And as we carry each other's burdens, we're loving our neighbors as ourselves that we're walking alongside of them, that we're living up to the name of what it means to be the church that burden bearers bear the image of Christ. As we bear bear each other's burdens, as we carry and walk alongside each other, we are living out the image that God has called us to. And I want to end this morning by sharing with us and and, and encouraging us that Jesus came to carry our greatest burden. The greatest burden that no human could ever carry. It doesn't matter if we have one person or a thousand or a million people, like no one could ever carry this burden. Only Jesus can, can, can carry this burden. That's the burden of sin. That's the burden that separated us from Jesus, that Jesus has, that's what he bore on the cross for me and for you, that Jesus is truly the only renovator of our hearts and our souls and our minds. That Jesus is the perfect image of what it means to bear our burdens. And this morning, I believe for many of us that the call is to cast our burdens upon him again, that many of us have been living in accordance to our own strength and accordance to our own will according to what we think we can do. But the call for us, if we were to be authentic and we we're to be a biblical community, the daily exercise of a Christian is to cast our burdens onto Christ and to realize that we can't do life without him. In Psalm fifty-five twenty-two, the psalmist says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. To cast, to share our burdens, to allow God in, to let him know that this is what I'm carrying. This is my sin. This is my brokenness. This is what I'm wrestling with. This this is my anxiety. This is my pain. This is my loss. This is what I'm wrestling with. And for us to cast our cares upon him. And as I said, he took the heaviest sin and he bore it on the cross. And if he can do that, what can't he do in your life? What can't he give you in your life? The peace that you're looking for, the joy that you're looking for, the, the comfort and love that you're looking for, all of that is found in Jesus and in nothing else in this world. That Jesus is the ultimate burden bearer, the example that we have. And church, I know you know how to do this. I know it because we've experienced it. Like Our, our family has experienced this. And I think the call for us as we go onward, to continue to do this. Yes, to care for ourselves, but to care for the others around us. You have the ability and you know how to do this. And I know there's many prayer points in our church family and there's, I've had quite a few conversations with you, but one that's more urgent that's coming up and I've asked them whether I can share this is actually Aaron and Greta. Uh, you know them uh, in, our, in, our, in our church family, Aaron and Greta, uh, they have a daughter that's about a year and a half, year and seven months or, or so, Ava. Um, uh, and she's uh, undergoing surgery this coming Tuesday uh, for her ear. And they've been asking for prayer. And they, this has been they've been such an encouragement to me that they've shared their burden, uh, that they've shared their prayer. They've let people in in the community be like, hey, this is what's happening. This is what we're feeling as parents, the anxieties that we have. And we're asking for prayer uh, that that you would pray for the surgery, uh, that the surgery will go well and that the hearing will be restored uh, in, in her in ear in her ear, I believe is the left ear um, that, that, that for, for wisdom for the doctors. Um, and that Ava um, is, a, is actually also a Jermaine, uh, Jermaine's niece. A niece. Um, so uh, Jermaine's one of our deacons here at church and um, Aaron's one on our leadership team that we're sharing each other's burdens and that we're casting it out. May God you take it. Uh, so I wanna encourage us here is that we're meant to carry it. We're talking about real life, things here <laughs> events that are happening. We're not talking about theoretical, uh, uh, burdens that happen. Like they're real life burdens that we're called to carry and prayer is a very powerful way that we're called to, to carry each other's burdens, whether it's sending a prayer, whether it's through a voice memo or through a text or just saying, Hey, I'm praying for you. There's, there's a, uh, that's a very, a very tangible way of us carrying the burdens of the people around us. So I want to. I think there's a call for us, and I know there's many other people with different prayer points. Those that have shared with me their illness, uh, those that have shared with me their family situations, those have fa- shared with me their anxieties. I want to encourage you this week to share that with people around you, people that you trust, so that they can pray for you, so that as a church we can be the church, and to love you and to carry your burdens, that you are not alone, and that God knows. But this week also, would you lift up Eva in your prayers? Uh, the uh, the surgery is happening this Tuesday, uh, that we're believing in faith as a community, uh, that the surgery is gonna go well. And just pray for peace for the parents, uh, for Greta and Aaron as well. So I wanna leave you with that. Uh, it's a tangible um, response to this, to this sermon here to carry each other's burdens. And may you continue to do that uh, with people around you. So let us pray uh, this morning as we end father uh, we thank you uh, for just being the ultimate burden bearer uh, for bearing our sin on the cross and carrying it as far as the east is from the from the west lord in a sense god there are people in our community that's still holding on to our burdens and father this moment we just lift them up up to you now with open palms and hands saying god you take them and may you take our burdens and may you replace it with your peace with your love with your joy and with your goodness. And God, for LLC, as we end our series here on authentic, being a biblical community, God, may you make us an authentic community, a biblical community that's, that's united, that serves one another, that loves one another, and that, that really carries each other's burdens and encourages one another. May, may LLC be a loving church, an encouraging church, a serving church that does amazing things for you and your kingdom. May you empower our hands and our feet uh, to be the church. And God, at this moment, we lift up a special prayer for Aaron and Greta. uh, As parents to Ava, may you give them peace, knowing that Ava, their daughter, uh, is also your daughter, is in your hands. And that you, Lord, are gonna give the surgeons wisdom. That you, God, are gonna guide their hands. That you, Lord, are the great healer, the great physician, the one that knows all. And may you be in the surgery, in the, in, in the OR, and may you be with the whole family now, and may the whole church just be in support of them as we carry their burden with them. And Lord, I pray for anyone that's that's going through a tough time that has burdens as well. God, may you just give us courage to share, to reach out to a loved one, to a trusted one, because Lord, Satan comes and, uh, and causes us to doubt, but Lord, we hear your voice that we are not alone, that the church is meant to walk together, and may we and give us the strength to push past that and to love one another and to carry the burdens in the way that you have called us to. And may we accept your love again, knowing that you are the great burden bearer. And may we also bear the image of Christ in the everyday. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.